Good morning, everybody. So uh, six weeks ago, I think, Brandon called me up and he goes, Hey, Keith, I'm going to be out. Would you like to speak? And there was a long silence. <laughs> and he goes, well, hey, pray about it. And don't worry about it. If not, that's okay. But he goes, hey, there was a lesson that you taught when we were at camp. I think it would be a good lesson. Would you be interested in sharing that with them, everybody? So I didn't answer him immediately. I think I waited maybe four or five days. And I said, yeah. But I knew immediately that's, that's what I wanted to do. Um, I always love talking about God. And I love sharing Scripture. What I'm not fond of is being up here by myself looking at everybody. So um, I'm going to share a little bit of some things that happened in, that's been happening in my life. I want to share some Scripture that's really helped me understand some more things about God. Uh, we're going to be in Luke 10, if you want to go there. And we're going to start in verse 38. And there's this little short story about Martha and Mary that um, I've read over it a lot of times and I, I seem to skim over it and kind of go, well, I got that. I know what's going on there. And uh, I want to share some things that led up to me understanding this verse a lot better. So before we do that, we're going to have a word of prayer and then we'll dive in. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here in front of everybody and to share your word. Uh, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to share what you're doing in my life, uh, to be a witness of your goodness and your love. And I pray that your words would come out of me today, that they would land on fertile hearts, that they would plant seeds that would grow and change us to be a reflection of you. I ask you to calm my heart and help me to speak clearly today. Most of all, I pray that your presence is here, which I know it is, but I pray that it would be here profoundly. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so a little bit of background. Uh, 2013... I came to my wife, Kim, and uh, God had been stirring some things in my heart, and I started talking to her about, hey, I, I really want to change my job. I want to do something more in ministry. I want my everyday life to be more into ministry. I like what I'm doing, but there's just, uh, I feel like, deeper calling. So for five years, we prayed about this, and we had ups and downs, and I had my idea of what that looked like. In that process, um, God kept asking me the same question over and over again. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Uh, and my answer was always this. Uh, I want to paint and I want to write. And I had my idea of what I wanted that to look like. And I've been painting and drawing since I was 10. I went through um, in my 30s. I went to counseling for about 10 years because um, I was suicidal and I'd already had stuff set up in my life where I was fixing to end my life. Through God's prevention, He brought someone into my life, a good counselor, to help me through that. In that process, I started painting like crazy, trying to express what was going on to my life. The church that I was going to at the time gave me the opportunity to hang those paintings up and tell my story in that. And in that process, all I knew was hurt, brokenness, pain, anger, 
I didn't know anything really about love or joy or peace, the things that we hear about in church all the time. Um, so what happened is I drew a lot of people into this place where they could feel what I'm feeling, but I, I left them in this, in this empty place that I was. So now being on the other side that I wanted to express that part of God. So for a long time, I, I think for like 10 years, I didn't paint or do anything because I wanted, I told God, hey, I, I don't want to do anything unless I can talk about joy and peace and love. So through that process of these five years that Kim and I were praying, um, it just seemed like that wasn't going to happen. And then one day, it was like uh, 2017 in September, God goes, hey, I want you to quit your job first of the year. And I'm like, it was really abrupt because I felt like that was what was going to happen. And I didn't feel like it was going to happen. And so as it got closer to the end of the year, he wasn't telling me where I was going to go, what my new job was, because I just felt like he was going to have a new job set up for me. I was just going to step into that. And uh, so December, the last couple of weeks of December hit, and so I started backtracking. I was going, okay, maybe we can quit in February, you know, because we don't have something set up for me. We don't have the money financially for me just to not have a job. We can't take care of ourselves financially. And he's like, well, that's okay. You can do that. But you're not obeying me. And so that really weighed on me because I wanted to obey God because I loved Him. Scripture says that's how we know we love God is how we obey Him. So I did. I quit my job. January 1st, I didn't go anywhere. So a month went by, and the first month, it was kind of cool. I like not working. <laughs> um, and here's the thing. I have been working since I was 13. I quit school uh, my freshman year and for almost two years and went and worked because I just couldn't do good in school. Um, I went back eventually and finished. I think it was almost 20 when I graduated. Um, but... I've always worked. There's something about work that gives me pleasure in that. Um, I think any man would be here if we know that hey, our biggest des um, desire is to take care of our family, to be a provider. And this is the first time that I'm not providing. And the first month was okay, but as the months went along, that really weighed on me. Uh, I really realized that a lot of my identity was in my job. And here again, God's not speaking to me about where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do. And this keeps rolling on. So this went on for a year and a half. And that's a long time. And there's a lot of other stuff in there I don't have time to go into. But I'm taking you to this point because at the, at the end of last year, I always, ever camp, at the end of December, I start praying about the previous year's summer camp. And I've been doing this for eight years. So in January, I kind of want to know what the theme of camp is, what God wants me to share. And so going through this whole year of not working left me with a lot of time. When we spent, I spent a lot of time in Scripture. I spent a lot of time in prayer. I spent a lot of time with God. I was doing things in my life that I didn't understand, but I knew He was working. So one of the big questions that I was taking to God was in December was, I hear this all the time in our church, having an adventure with God. And I'm really trying to understand what does that mean. Because I don't know if you guys are like me. When I look at adventures in God and I read Scripture, I see these incredible things happening. I see Moses leading the people 
from Egypt. Uh, God's using him to part the Red Sea. I see Noah building the ark when there's never been rain and it just keeps going on and on. People are ridiculing him, but he believes in what God's telling him. I see Joshua marching around the walls of Jericho and blowing a horn and the walls fall down. So what's the measuring stick of having an adventure? You know, how do I measure that? For me, that's what I look at. I'm thinking, well, I'm not doing these things, so I must not be on an adventure with God. So as I started searching Scripture, he started bringing some things to me, and Mary and Martha was one of the things that he brought to me, and it really started helping me understand what that looks like. Um, Let's start in verse 38. Let's just read through this. And I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to come back, and I'm going to discuss it a little bit. So in verse 38, it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much service. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen a good portion which will not be taken away from her. Now, I've heard this taught, I've read it many different ways, and I'm strictly going to talk to you about how God and I were talking about this for me. And I hope it's helpful for you in understanding what it is to have an adventure. So the first thing I want you to see is in the verse 38. It says, Now they went on their way... Now they went on their way, Jesus entered the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him in her house. Now this is interesting, because if you go back up the first couple of, chap- or verse, first couple of verses in verse, uh, Luke 10, that you hear what Jesus done. He has a group of people, they call them the 72, and they're sending them into cities and villages ahead of Jesus. And he gives them specific instructions about how to go into them. He says, if you go into this village or town and someone takes you into their home, he says, you're going to bless them and you're going to take care of their family. You're going to heal whatever's in that family. You're not going to go house to house. You're just going to be in that, that house. When you leave, I know that's the place I'm going to go to. I'm going to go to that place and I'm going to visit them. He goes to the towns that don't want anything to do with you, that don't accept you. He says, you're going to publicly, you're going to go out in the street and you're going to knock the dirt off your feet and you're going to let them know, hey, Christ isn't coming here. You guys rejected him. He's rejecting you. So the first thing is you look at this Mary or Martha inviting Jesus into his home and he coming in there is that he's chose Martha. That should be the first thing about our adventure. He chooses us, not what we can do for him. He's choosing us. So we go a little, bur- little further in verse 39. It describes her sister. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to His teaching. If you'd like to underline or circle, underline Mary sat at the Lord's feet and then circle listening to His teaching. 
I think that's the hardest thing for us to do. I find that hard for me because you know what? If we go a little further, we know what's going on with Martha, right? She's busy trying to set up and make everything nice for God. And there's some, there's some other things that are going on there. For Martha, they live in a culture where if you come into somebody's house, how, what kind of host you are is spread around the village. So if you're a good host, that's good. If you're not, people are going to know about that. Think about having Jesus in your house. If Jesus said he was coming to our house, what would we do? We would be like steam cleaning everything, right? We want everything to be perfect. We want to bring our best dishes out. We, maybe we haven't had the best cook that we've ever had come. And so that's kind of how Martha's feeling. He didn't care about that. He just wanted to be with Martha. So Martha, sometimes I know in my life, I get to a point where we hear so much about service. You know, that's supposed to be the reflection of a heart, how we serve people, how we do things, right? Um, going back to this time being off in my life, I think uh, probably the third month in, we were over at the uh, other school setting up church and stuff, and so there were some things that we could do in, within our community, and one was the Azel Food Bank. And I went over as a group with our church, and I did that one time, and I thought, okay, you know what? Since I got time off, I'll go serve in this food bank, and that's, that'll be a good thing, right? That'll give me some purpose. That'll give me something to do. And so for the first two or three weeks, I went there every Tuesday, loved it. But after a while, something was changing. I didn't feel that same feeling. I felt, um, I just felt like God wasn't there. I was like, I don't get this. I'm serving. I'm doing this. This is a good thing, but why does I feel like that God's not here with me? And it just didn't make sense. And the more I kept going, the more I just, I really resented going because my, my motives seemed different. I, I, I started realizing that my service was more about how I wanted God to feel about me. Like I needed to go do something for God to care about me or love me more or make me feel like I needed um, to feel special. And so the hard thing is when you jump out into some service that God hasn't really called you necessarily to go do your adventure is you, won't want to, you don't want to step out of it. Like, what will they think of me? That's, that's my next thoughts. What are they going to think of me? I'm, here I've been serving and tell them I want to help, and then all of a sudden I'm not going to come help them. I'm going to look horrible. I don't want to have that looking on me, right? So I think Martha's feeling these same things, you know. I've got to make this look great for all these other people because I've got Jesus in my house. And she's lost sight of what Mary's doing. Mary's just sitting at the feet of God, of Jesus, and she's just listening to him. So let's go a little further. Um, verse 40. It said, Martha was distracted with much service. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care? Now, I, I really relate to this. Because here I am in my life, there's three or four months gone by, and I was really expecting God to just set up this job for me, that we could just be doing this, whatever this is, right? And I just feel like He's just like, no, we're just going to sit. I just want you to be with me. I'm, I'm giving you a space where it's just you and I, there's no distractions, you don't have a job, you don't have other things pulling at you. I want you to just come and listen to me so I can tell you what I want. And I don't want to do that. I kind of have the... Uh, if you are Star Wars fans, I kind of have the Luke Skywalker syndrome, right? 
an empire strikes back. Luke goes to the planet where Yoda is. And he's supposed to be getting taught how to be a great Jedi. And he only trains for a little bit. But he needs to go back out and have the rest of the adventure with Han and, and Leah. And they got some adventure going on. So he doesn't stay and get all his training. He says, I got enough. That's enough. I got enough to get through what I need to do. And that's kind of how I feel in my life. I go, I just stay with God just enough where I can jump back out into some service that he hasn't really asked me to go do. And then I wonder why he's not there with me. He's like, I didn't, I didn't ask you. I need you to stay here. There's pockets of time where God just, I need you to stay here and just listen. So if we go a little further, I also like what he says, what Martha says to God. He says, you know, this, uh, do you not care? Now, obviously God cared, but when we get in this a bad mindset, we start thinking, well, God doesn't care about us because he's not making whatever we're wanting to have happen, happen. And I really love, um, she says, uh, Lord, do you know, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And she feels like she's so right in what she's doing. She even comes to, to Jesus and says, hey, tell her then to help me. And I love the way the Lord talks back to Martha. He does it. He, he rebukes her, but he does it really softly. And he identifies with how she feels. Verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled with many things. I really love that verse for me because it's, I think when things are going wrong with me, God identifies how I'm feeling. What he's saying is, hey, I'm, I, I feel what you're feeling. I don't want you to feel this way. And if you'll do this, you won't feel this way. The reason you're feeling this way is because you're out here getting busy. Everybody here is around me listening but you. Verse 42. Uh, uh, the Yes, verse 42, it says, but, but one thing is necessary. Martha has chosen a good portion which will not be taken away from her. Now, I understand this, but I don't understand this. Have you ever read Scripture and you go, I get it, but I don't really get it? I, I, I read what's being said there, but I, don't, I know with my head a little bit, but I don't know with my heart. I know it's good to be at your feet, so when I'm looking at things, sometimes I take things too literal. So my question is to, to God as I'm talking about these verses we're going through, I thought, so I'm just supposed to sit here? I'm in this year and a half of just sitting here, so this is all we're going to do. We're just going to sit here, and I'm just going to read your Scripture. You're going to tell me who you are, and we're just going to sit here. But that doesn't make sense because you talk through all Scripture about servants, Right? I mean, one of the most beautiful um, examples of Jesus being a servant is, I love when he's washing the disciples' feet. I mean, they're, they're not just a little dirty, like some dirt on it. They're walking through all these cities and towns and streets that have animals, and they're just doing their business, right? They're stepping animal business, and they're nasty. And he doesn't just take the first person and he washes the first disciples and says, here's the example. Now the rest of you guys wash your feet. He washes every one of their feet. So he shows himself, hey, nothing is below me. I am the Son of God. If I'm willing to do that, it should tell us something great about being a servant. So how do I be a servant and how do I still be at your feet? So 
what is the adventure in that? I don't, I don't get this. One of the things I really love too about Scripture is he uses parables, word pictures. And he gave me this really beautiful word picture. Um, in this year and a half that I haven't been working, um, I've been writing a lot. And one of the things I really want to do is I want to write children's stories. And I would love to do artwork where I could put music to it, my journals, writing, scripture, and have it presented somewhere and just have people experience what God's done in my life and then stand up and talk about that. And that's my vision of what I think my adventure is. But what God does is He takes those things. He keeps asking us, Hey, Keith, what do you want? And what He does is He filters that through His heart and He makes a place where it's best for us. So, me being a writer and imagining different stories and how I would tell my story about my life and what God's done for me, He gave me this really beautiful word picture, and I want to share that with you. And I think it, it really explains what it is to have an adventure with God. So, one of my things that I really like doing is I like having quiet time in my car because I can go different places. I have different places in my community where I park under trees and I'll bring my Bible and my journal. I'll, I'll bring some devotionals. And I'll read scripture. I'll listen to worship music. I will, I will journal. Sometimes it's just my gratitude. Other times it's my struggles. A lot of it times it's my struggles. Um, but it's a very intimate place. It's like my own little house. And being under a tree, uh, God did this real visual thing. Because, hey, you know, your car, you're under a tree, so... It's kind of like a tree house. So he gives me this, vis- this visual. He goes, imagine this tree. And the tree I imagine is like the trees in, I guess, California, I believe, the redwood trees that are just huge. You know, you see pictures where cars are driving through them and stuff. And he goes, picture a tree like that. It's just tall as you can imagine. And at the bottom of that tree is a little door. It leads up the stairwell. And at the top of that tree, you, I have a little house that I built for you and and that's where we are right now, Keith. That's, that's you and I. That's you opening my word. It's our intimacy and our scripture. And this is where I get to tell you about me. Everything you read is me telling you about me. And I like that. So, okay, I get that. I like that. That's good. And that's, I feel like that's where I was in this year and a half. And so I get that now. He goes, but at some point, I want to show you who I am. And for you to do that, you have to be with me, listen to what I'm saying. And then one day I'm going to come and I'm going to re- reach out my hand and say, Hey, come with me. I want to show you who I am. So we start making our way down this spiral staircase. We open the door. Now here, at this point in this visual he's given me, all I know is I'm in a treehouse and there's all these branches and leaves. I can't see the sky or anything. I just know what's in the treehouse, him and I. So as I go out the door and look as far as you can see all the way around, there's like this feather grass. It's green, but at the very tips of it, it's like this golden yellow. And just as far as I can see. So anybody you knows what feather grass looks like when the wind blows, it's just like, like hair, right? And so it kind of looks like waves when the wind blows. And it's beautiful. I love it. 
It's like it's so open. But pretty quickly, I hear behind me this kind of roaring sound. It's in the distance. And if I look back, all I see is fountain grass and this blue sky. But there's this dull roaring. And pretty quickly, God says, hey, I want you to look over here. So as I look over to this side, there's in the distance, there's this huge, dense forest as far as you can see. And then he takes my attention this way, and there's just all these mountains. And it's just beautiful. The forest is beautiful. Mountains are beautiful. And then he takes me over here, and there's just this desert. I mean, it's like the Sierra. It's just like sand dunes everywhere. And he goes, hey, today I want to take you over to the forest. Now here again, it's just all fountain grass. There's no trails. There's no, hey, we're going to take this trail. It's going to lead us here. There's no trails at this point. And remember, it's about him wanting to show me who he is. So where are we going? What are we doing? Just, just take my hand, and I'm going to take you, and I'm going to show you. So he takes me into the forest, and we go a little bit into the forest. Like anybody that's been in a real dense forest, you can't see very far, right? And if you get too far in, you can't find your, your way out sometimes. So we go into a forest. We don't go far, very far in, and we sit. And he starts showing me things about him and stuff. Maybe he's taking me to somebody that needs me, and I get to share with the gospel with them. It, it can be a hundred different things. That's not the point. The point is that he's taking me into the forest to show me about himself. And so we make a trail, and we do this same trail, the same spot. And then another day he'll take me to another trail, into another part of the forest. And pretty soon there's pockets in this forest that I know who God is. So I've been listening to who he says he is. The game changer is now he's showing me who he is. I'm following him and doing what he's asking. And I see him doing things, not me doing things. So we do this. We go into the forest, right? And the forest is hard. Because the forest, you can only take a few steps in. And you're wanting to know, hey, where are we going? I need to see the big picture. I want to know what's happening. He says, no, I just need you to know this part of the forest. I need you to know this part of the forest. And that's all you need to know. And then one day, he takes me to the mountains. Now, I like the mountains. The mountains are great because I can see the whole trail at the very top. That's what we want to see in life, right? Just tell me everything. I want to know exactly everything we're doing so I don't have any surprises in it. And so we start taking these trails up to the mountains. And I love it because I can see down everything. I can see the big picture of everything. And we love mountaintop moments, right? We don't ever really want to come down. We wish our life with God was just these mountaintop moments. And so we do this. We have these trails. And every one of these trails, you know what they are, guys? I can look back and I said, okay, I know what you said in your word. And now I know who you are in this. They're all memory stones. Anytime I have any doubt, I can go, no, this is what who he told me he was. Now I know this is who he is by these places that I've gone. Now, there's another place over here that he eventually takes me to. And I used to hate this place the most because it's the desert. But I've come to love this one. It's my favorite place. It doesn't make sense that the desert would be your favorite place. For me, this is where God comes in. He says, hey, we're going this way. And then he's just quiet. He just takes you out in the desert and he's just quiet. He never speaks to you. And at first, I get and understand it. I'm like, why? Are you leaving me? Why are you just leaving me in this place that's dry and dead? We have these moments in our life where God takes us and going, I don't know why I'm here. There's nothing here. And then you're just being silent on top of it. And what I've learned 
is in these moments in the desert when He's silenced is when I hear Him the most because this is what happens. There's these two ways we listen to God, right? And we listen to each other. One is when somebody's speaking to us, we listen, right? But there's another way we listen when someone doesn't speak and we really want to hear. What are we doing? We're straining like, come on, just speak. Our, our ears really want to hear what God wants to say. So He teaches me two ways of listening. There's a longing in our heart that really wants to hear what God has to say. I feel more close when He's silent. His presence seems so much more powerful in those, those times. So we do this same thing. We have all these trails that go back and forth to the desert. So now I have all these trails. I have all these experiences with God that He's been showing me who He is. They're my memory stones. But there's this place behind me that's always in the back of my mind. And it's always a little scary. There's this dull roaring. And I have a curiosity of what that is because there's nothing but sky and feather grass. And so one night, I am in my treehouse with God. And He says, hey, it's night time. I want to come take you and show you something. I want us to go out towards the roar. I want to show you this. I want you to come see this. And I'm like, okay, can we do this in the daylight? Because uh, night's not, you know, it's dark. And you know, I, I feel a lot better about this. He says, no, 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 you need to see this. So we go down the stairwell, go out the door, and it's just, it's black. There's, there's no moonlight, there's no stars, there's no nothing. And he just says, hey, take my hand, let's go. And so we start walking. Here again, I can't see anything, but all I know is I'm holding his hand and we're going this direction, wherever that is. And the closer we get to wherever this is, the louder this roaring sound is. I have no idea, but it's terrifying. These are these moments in our life when God says, hey, I'm not showing you anything, I'm not telling you anything, but there's this place I want you to go to this, that I just need you to see. And so He does this with me over and over, and I never see what this is until one night He takes me out, and there's moonlight, and there's stars, and I can start seeing this path that He keeps taking me out every night on. And the closer I get to this roaring sound, I realize that I am on a cliff, and down below me is just ocean as far as you can see. And this roaring sound is the waves of the ocean crashing against this cliff. He's like, hey, there's something I want you to come, come see, but you've got to jump off this cliff. And I'm like, there's no way. That's like way far down. I'm not doing that. There's no way I can survive. I don't even see where we're even going anywhere. I'm not going to do that. And so what I do is I go back to my treehouse. I'm like, I'm just going to stay here. I have my forest. I have my mountains. I have my, my, my sand over here, my solid point. But I'm not going to go be part of that. And so what? You know what? God stops coming and taking me down the stairwells. But here's what starts happening to my heart. The fear becomes less and less of what's going to happen to me jumping off. My desire to know what God's wanting me to see about Him becomes stronger. Until one point, one night, I jump off the cliff. And as I'm falling, the wind comes. It catches me, puts me in the water. The waves wash me up to a shore that I didn't even know was there. And as I get out of the ocean, there is a fire waiting for me. There's dry clothes. There's a meal and another little hut 
And really, guys, what the adventure is with God is, all of these are chambers in God's heart. Where are you willing to go? It's not about how we serve. It's not about us being like Moses and parting the Red Sea. Because Moses didn't part the Red Sea. You know, we've been talking about Moses. God said, hey, i got a plan. You're going to go do this. And I'm going to let you be a part of what I'm going to do. This is the plan. This is what I want you to see about me. You get to be a part of it. When we choose to go wherever God wants us to go with Him, amazing things happen. Jumping off the cliff, guys, at times is so terrifying. But all it is is God saying, hey, there's another chamber. Something about me you don't know that I want to show you. And when we in our lives sit back and go, no, I just want this, this forest, I just want the mountains, and I want the sand, what we're saying is, I want to go relive these moments, and I'll just live off these moments. But I don't want more of you. I just want this. And I think that's the hardest thing for us to do is to admit that we, we just want a certain part of God. We don't want to go all of God. I find that for myself, that's... That's the most terrifying thing because you know what? We have to trust that He's good and who He says He is. It's easy to read Scripture and go, all right, yeah, that's who you say you are. But how do we really know what we believe until we actually go with Him when He's asking us to go with Him? So let's wrap this up real quick. What I'm about to tell you is I don't want this to get sidetracked, Okay? Um, and I've really been fighting back and forth whether I should share it because I don't want to distract from... I, I feel like the key thing here is it's exactly what Mary is doing. She's just at the feet of the Lord and she's listening. Guys, I find that's the hardest thing in my life to do. I want, I want to be busy doing something. And a lot of that busyness comes from um, a place where we need to feel productive, right? The world tells us, well, you're not have any value if you're not productive. Let me see what you do. Okay, you did all this, you're good. You, know, you did this, you're not, right? And we get so busy trying to be productive that we don't really want to sit and listen to what God does. God's already got it planned out. He, he made us. He knows exactly what He wants. And He just wants us. He doesn't need what we're doing for him. He didn't need Moses to go do He could have done whatever he wanted to. If he wanted to just take a tornado and suck up all the Israelites and just move them over in a tornado and drop them down perfectly, he could have. He didn't need anybody. He chose Moses to be a part of seeing who he is. So in this year and a half... so hard when you have a vision of what you you want your story to be um, I guess it's, it's close to the middle of summer Christy Young come up to me and she goes hey um, there's this maker space up here at uh, Walnut Creek and then, I don't know I just want to let you know it's available maybe it's something you know God wants you to do Pray about it, you know, no pressure. And at the time she was telling me, I had a couple of people offer me jobs. And I always told God, I said, hey, if in this moment where we're just here and you've asked me to quit, 
I just go chase my own thing. And I'm impatient. And I need you to just make it happen. That's the only way I'm going to know that's the right place for me. And so, um, I guess the last several months prior to that, I really started finding a rhythm in writing. I, I really felt like God was helping me heal some things in my life, and I was writing about that in a story. And actually, Christy was helping me edit it, and I was very excited about it. And then, then she offered me this, and I'm like, oh, I'm almost at the end of this book. I want to finish this book. Let me just finish this book so I can have something to feel like I completed something in my life, you know? Because I feel like everything is just incomplete. And God goes, you know what? Your whole life's incomplete. You're not going to be complete till you come home with me. Your whole life is a process. You're never going to get to a point where you're just finished, Keith. And so um, I started praying about the job. And I think I was about five days in. And I remember walking around the side of my house, getting ready to mow the grass. And I just stopped by my back fence. And I go, this is where we're going, right? <laughs> and he goes, Yep. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm doing it because I'm obeying you, but I'm, I'm reluctant in doing this. I don't, I don't see how this is ministry. I don't see how, I just don't see this. I mean, the book to me is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. Why, why can't we just do this? And so I talked to Jessica and we had a meeting. And I knew before I even went up to the school, that's where he was going to have me go. I was just asking him to help me get my attitude, my spirit right. And all I ever wanted to do was paint and share my story and about what God's done for me. Because, man, I mean, if you knew the guy, the guy was messed up. You wouldn't like that guy. But he just kept pursuing me, kept loving me. And so I asked him, so I don't understand why I'm at this place. I don't, I don't want to be a babysitter. Yes, I'm excited I get to do art and do some things with the kids art-wise, but I don't know how this is ministry. And um, last week, I had a, I, I, it's all ups and downs, right? You're in kindergarten, kindergarten's crazy. But, uh, matter of fact, third, my Thursday class was, I had back back kindergarten classes, and I think I finally had to just go, hey, play some music. We're having a dance contest, okay? Just to get, um, and I left, I left as those, that last kindergarten class went out going, God, that was a disaster. I gotta figure out something, man. This is horrible. And as the kids were going out, they were just hugging me. And I'm like, why are you hugging me? This class sucked today, you know? But they're just hugging on me, and God's going, that's it, Keith. Just love on them, man. That's all you need. I had a kid that, the first day I was with him, he's, man, he was, he was rough. Next day I had him, he was in the first grade, and so we're down the little video area before they get taken to their class. And uh, he, had a, he had his water bottle in a plastic bag, and it didn't make sense, but I understood it because it was leaking. And it ended up leaking all into his backpack, so I helped him get it cleaned out. And 
you know, he, she was so happy. He goes, hey, I made my own lunch today. And I'm looking at his lunch, and it's, it's, it's like a rotten banana. <laughs> um, a couple of grapes and some goldfish, right? So I'm helping him get his backpack all cleaned out and dried. And, and um, just kind of hurting for him. The next day, we're, we're down there at the video area, and he's not there. But then I see him, he's late, and he's just running as hard as he can. And he just hugs me. And I haven't had any trouble with that kid the rest of the week. And I wanted to paint. And I want to write. And you know what? Every day I get to paint. Because you know what we do? Every day we have all the colors. And every day we have a brush. And we get to choose what paints and what colors to put on people. Because we're all canvases. What we say and what we do. We're changing people's picture every day. How do we want to do that? How do we want to change people? I'm telling you, the only way we change is Jesus. The only change you see in me is Jesus. James came up to me a couple weeks ago. Hey, man, you're just so gentle. Why is that? I go, it's not me. Not me at all. That's God. The guy I used to be was just an angry, pissed-off guy. Just hated everybody. Everybody hurt me. I want to hurt them. That only comes through Jesus. Guys, the adventure is Jesus. It's not what we do. It's Him. Father, thank You for this day. Help us to be Mary's God. And we're just willing to sit at Your feet and listen to You. Help us when it's time for You to come take our hand and show us who You are. Lord, we're willing to go. We're not pulling back. Thank You for being patient, Lord, when we're too fearful to jump off the cliff and know more about who You are. That you're always the same. You never change. We're not going to wake up someday and then all of a sudden you're not who you say you are. Thank you for realizing that in our life that's how humans are. And so we have this great fear that at some point the, the rug's going to be pulled up from underneath us and you're going to point and go, Ha! Ah, I got you. That's not who you are, God. Thank You for always being steadfast, faithful, and loving God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.